All right. So uh, if you have a Bible, open to Luke chapter 1. While you're turning there, let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like God's forgotten you? You don't have to answer that. Do, do the, uh, the, um, the little psychological exercise that, 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 or that uh, Jake's been doing with you, the little guy in your head. Um, answer this question. Answer this honestly, though. Have you ever just felt like that things aren't going like you think they should? Or how about this, that you prayed so hard for something and God doesn't seem to be answering that prayer? That's what, it, when I say, when I ask that question about forgotten, some, sometimes uh, it, it's not, oops, I forgot to eat. Um, anybody ever forget to eat? Liar. Liar. <laughs> no, it's not like, oops, I forgot to eat, but it, it's a, uh, no, there, there's this deep, like an emptiness, like I don't really matter. That's the forgotten, which like, like you're the, the kid. Uh, it's even beyond the, being the kid on, in, in school where um, the dodgeball team has been picked and you're standing there in the corner with the, the guy on crutches and they're trying to decide who they're going to pick, the guy on the crutches or the, you. It, I know everybody wants to play dodgeball. Um, I know. But it's that... that, that time in which you just feel alone. The, the time where, where it doesn't matter what all is going on. Take, take me down some minute here. I'm echoing really bad. I feel like I'm all alone. It's the, the time in, in which uh, you may be in a crowded room, but you're like isolated. Everybody, you may even be talking with people, but it's just that, that forgotten feeling. Nothing really matters. No matter how much I do, no matter how much I say, no matter how much I pray, I think God has forgotten me. I think, as we're going to see today, that um, the people we're going to talk about, um, they may have uh, gotten to that point in their life. But what I want to, I want to stress, and as we'll see just because they got to that point did not affect their faithfulness to God. So if you are getting ready to take a nap, like, like Jake said, um, which everybody say bye to Jake. It'll be the last time we see him. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, if you're getting ready to take a nap, just, just remember that even though you feel or you may think that God has forgotten you, God's still faithful. And that means that we need to continue to be faithful. So if you don't hear anything else I say today, just, just hear that. Write that down. Now you can lay your head down and take a nap. So Luke chapter 1. We started this new series last, last week. In, in this new series, we talked uh, that, that our, our focus is going to be on this uh, case for your certainty. This case where, where you can know we're going to discuss things, we're going to talk about things um, as we go through the book of Luke that uh, may, and I, my prayer is that it gives you answers to questions in which you have. The text in which we, we went over, it, it says, um, 
that uh, this book was written to this man named Theophilus. And we talked about how he was a friend of God and how if we, are, uh, we claim to be friends of God, so this is written to us as well, so we can have certainty about the things in which we have been taught. Well, in this, um, we're going to see today that uh, he starts out in a time and place in history. Why is that important? Well, it starts out here in, in, in verse 5, uh, giving us um, an exact time frame. Because remember, he says he wants to write an orderly account. Well, this orderly account, he goes back to where um, this new era, era, E-R-A, this new era in um, the chosen people of God, how about the, the, the children of God's history is going to take place. This new era that is going to be launched by um, the birth of, of a significant individual. Um, some of you are thinking, yeah, we're talking about Jesus. No, today we're going to be talking about John the Baptist. But regardless of if we're talking about Jesus, if we're talking about John the Baptist, we're talking about this time in, or, or, or this moment in time that is significant for all of humanity. I believe that, and some will push back, which is fine, but I firmly believe that if we were to look at time, time being eternity future, eternity past, and if we were to take time and we were to put it on a line graph, everybody knows what a line graph is? So a line with arrows on both ends going to infinity, infinity. Um, if we were to put time on a line graph, I think that instead of focusing on uh, the, the time of the past or look, focusing on the time of the future, I think that the, the marker that we need to make sure that is on um, our, our, our timeline here is the, the time that all of human history is dictated by. What is all of human history dictated by? No? Jesus coming. Right? We've got B.C., right? What does that mean? Before Christ. We've got A.D., what does that mean? Anno Domini. I heard some after deaths here. It's not after death, it's Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. It's all right. That's a common mistake. But what we have is right here at the central point of history, we have this time or this event that took place that defines the rest of history. I firmly believe that everything that happens, and when I say everything, I mean everything that happens, all the way from the, the craziness of what ISIS is doing, all the way back to the, 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 the captivity of the children of God in Egypt, everything in between, God has a plan and a purpose for everything. Don't hear me say, well, God's making ISIS chop off the heads and blow people up. I'm not saying he's making that happen, but I, what I am saying is it all comes into the grander, the greater picture of what God is accomplishing. Because even as Joseph in Egypt said to his brothers after many years, after they you know, sold him away, what you intended for evil, basically what the devil intended for evil, God used for good. And I believe that too many times we can see all of the bad and say, how can any good come out of it? Well, maybe we can't on the surface see that there's good in it, but there's definitely God in everything. 
So if, we, if our focus point is the center, at the center here, is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and the gospel being the, the, the life, death, burial, the resurrection of Christ, that's at the center. Everything else is defined by it. That helps us understand, and that helps us deal with the tragedies. It doesn't make them any less... Um, uh, no, I was going to say sucky, but I shouldn't say that. Any less terrible, but it, 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 it gives us hope beyond what's here. And I say that because with, with the introduction of that, that question of, do you feel like you're forgotten? I'm sure that some people have felt that way because of the world events that have taken place. This event that we're going to talk about today, it's, it's coming into, it's, it's starting this new era, like I said, in um, the history of God's people. And, and what I'm, I'll even term it in salvation history. That's the, 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 the even the, the uh, finer definition. How all things work together for good for those who love God, right? Doesn't, doesn't some, some guy say that somewhere? The Apostle Paul says that. Even though we can't see the good, God's still at work. So with that, let's jump into the text, and I've got a, a lot more uh, to unpack in the next uh, 25 minutes. Maybe. Verse 5, Luke chapter 1, verse 5. It says, In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Let's pray real quick. Our Father God, again, we thank you, we love you, we ask as we've read just a small portion of Scripture, that as we dive in, Lord, your, um, your will, your work, your presence, your spirit, God, all will be present and for your glory. God, let us hear what you're saying here. Let us see that, that you're um, alive in, in, in the words that, that come off of the page. God, because it is for your glory that we do what it is that we do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the, the, the great misconception that we have, and I love how, how Jake set this all up, um, the great misconception that, that, that believers have, and, and I'll say, I'm just going to talk about believers. Non-believers have a lot of this, this same misconception, that um, God created the world for us. Like, everything that, we, that is given or everything that was created was for us. Like, everything that was done from eternity past, everything that's going to be done in eternity future is like for your, um, your good pleasure. Pop in the bubble. That's not why God did it, and that's not why God does what he does. Everything that is done is for, what is it? The glory of God. It's for the glory of God. Now, do we get to enjoy in God's glory? You better believe it. But when we put ourselves as like we're the recipients, like he did this all for me, 
then what happens is when God doesn't do something for you or it doesn't appear that God does something for you, you tend to have that he forgot me feeling. But when we focus on Christ first and we focus on, on God and giving him glory and everything, understanding that everything is for him, it helps us think different. It helps us give, give the biblical perspective of life. It helps us deal with those hard times, those forgotten moments. Keep your finger in Luke chapter 1 and go over to, to Romans chapter 11 really quick. Because in, in Romans chapter 11, the Apostle Paul, he makes this statement at the end of chapter 11. After he's talking about this, this salvation for Israel, he makes this statement that says, For from him and through him and to him are all things. Who's him? Jesus. So, for from Jesus, and we can, we'll just insert Jesus' name here to make it a lot simpler for us to understand. For, or for from Jesus and through Jesus and to Jesus are all things. And to Jesus be glory forever. Amen. Do you see that, that I, I, I believe, and I, I hope you see that, that, that this helps us focus, like everything that we do, like uh, um, the other ball guy, Jake, said, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, all we do, do all for the glory of God. The Apostle Paul is, is reiterating this, and he's, he's making this statement even clearer that, it's yes, it's all for the glory of God, but because it's all for him and through him and to him. Everything that we do needs to be done to the glory of God. So when we do get in those moments of forgottenness, we don't fall into unfaithfulness. Because when we feel like it's not going our way, when we feel that some, like someone, namely in this, this uh, instance, namely God, if we feel that like God is unfaithful to us, our response is to what? Be unfaithful to God. Let's take this on a, on a personal, practical level. The people in your life, if somebody is unfaithful, if Jake is unfaithful to me, my gut reaction is going to want to be unfaithful to him. Well, I'll show him, you know, stomp my foot. Or how about this? My wife's not in here so I can pick on her. If my wife is unfaithful to me, my thought is I'm going to be unfaithful to her right back. As if we would think, I mean, in our minds, we think that two wrongs make a right. Doesn't happen that way. But what we can see and what we're going to see is even though we may feel something, that doesn't give us the license to be unfaithful to the God who everything is for and the God who everything is through and who we have to give glory to. Go back to uh, Luke chapter 1 and let's look. So it says, In the days of Herod, we talk, we, I started this out saying this is like an exact time in history. We know that this time frame of King Herod, which technically he wasn't really even a king, he was just so egotistical that he called himself a king. There was still the emperor of the Roman, um, uh, the Roman Empire. And this king, we know that his reign was like 27 B.C. to like 4 B.C. And we don't know that because of the Bible, we know that because of just history. It's just, it's just history. So we know that this is, a, is an exact time 
This is a time in history. And it's not only that. I love how Luke takes and he starts off this, this narrative here and identifying this egotistical, this egomaniac, this um, king that is, is uh, very sinful. He's very um, insecure. He's very not godly at all. Like he would, he put members of his own family to death because they, they, he thought that they were going to try to overthrow him. Like, Mom, you're looking at me funny at Thanksgiving. Pow! You know? He was evil. So he takes it, and Luke starts us out. He gives us this, like, this extreme evil. But then he goes right into someone who is faithful to God. Not just someone, a couple. He goes from Herod being the one extreme to Zechariah and Elizabeth. And we can see that it says that they were blameless. They were righteous. That doesn't mean that they were without sin. And I think we talked about this before. But what this does mean is that their lives reflected who they were as faithful believers of God. They had faith in God. Because remember, it's not they're believers in Christ yet because Christ hasn't come yet. But they're looking forward to the Messiah coming, and their lives reflect that. For us, we are looking forward to the second coming of the Messiah. We've already looked at the first coming, and, and next week is actually going to be the first week of Advent. We're going to celebrate Advent like we did last year. Um, and, and it's that understanding that He came once, but He's coming again. The faithfulness of Zechariah and Elizabeth, we're looking at that first coming of the Messiah. And because they were looking at the first coming of the Messiah, they were faithful to God. Even though their prayer of, man, I want a son, never came to fruition. Or I want a child. Understand the magnitude of this. Some of us don't get this. Some of us don't see, like, the, if during this time, like, if you didn't have a child during this time, you were viewed as if uh, you were uh, being cursed by God. We know from what Luke says, he makes it clear. They were righteous. They were blameless. They were following God. Even though they were faithful, they still didn't have a child. And I see that and I say, okay, well, this is a good lesson for us. The lesson is... It's antithetical to American Christianity where people think that if I'm faithful to God, he's going to be faithful to me and everything's going to be good. I'm going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. No, we see here that even the most faithful of God, even the most faithful of God had to endure hard times here. To be barren. These are the same words. This is the same understanding of the Old Testament where um, Sarah was, was barren. Where were there, um, um, just name went out of my head, uh, Samuel's mom. Um, anyways, there, question for, for, a quiz question for you for next week. Extra credit. Who was Samuel's mom? Um, but uh, these, this is the same terminology, this is the same understanding that, that, uh, from the Old Testament that, that uh, Elizabeth and Zechariah being advanced in years, days old, right? They're 
old and the, 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 the childbearing is, is, is time, whatever that time frame is, is gone. Although they were faithful, they still were without a child. I love this because this shows that what's going to take place here in the next few verses is going to show that it's definitely got to be an act of God. God's got to step in for a child to be born. Look, verse 8. Now, while he was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. So, real quick, um, there's 24 different divisions of priests. And of these 24 different divisions, they would rotate who would do uh, certain things in the temple at certain times. Um, huge, a huge side note here, at any one time, uh, at any one, any one point in time, there would be around 18,000 priests, okay? 18,000 priests. Mark that, because that's going to come into to, uh, effect here in a second. And it said, so it, he was, his division, his, his, his uh, division was chosen to be on duty at the, um, at the temple. And it says, and the whole number of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Throw that slide up there, if you would, of uh, the temple, temple mount. I got a slide. I just want to show you real quick to give you kind of a, a, a visual um, of what it, this, this looks like. All right, so this is a... a uh, reconstruction of the temple during this time. If you look at, at this slide here, you're looking as if um, you're looking from the east to the west, and that big, that, that like backwards T in the middle, that would be the holy place. So that's the actual, like the, the, when we're talking, he's going into the temple, that's where he would be going. See that little square in front of that, that, outer, that, that courtyard? That's where the, the people would be gathering as they went in, as the priests went in to pray. So he's going into the temple, and he's going into the holy place, which is where the altar of incense is going to be. He's not going into the holy of holies, which we'll talk you know, some other time even more about, but he's going in to, to burn incense. He's going into, uh, from the outer where only uh, some people can be, he's going into the inner where only the chosen can be. Let's go back to the text. Eleven, we're in eleven. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side, of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you have Joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and be, he, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah 
to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. All right. So, Zechariah, being his, his, uh, his boys, his priests, his division is on duty. Now, being that his division was on duty, it, it says that he was... Um, did I skip a verse? No. Okay. I'm sorry. We got off, off, off track here. So his division, apologize. His division was on duty, but not only was his division on duty, it says that he was chosen by lot to go into the temple. So remember, only the chosen then could go into the temple. What does it mean by, to be chosen by Lot? Um, basically, they roll the dice, and whoever's number gets uh, picked, that's the dude that's going to go into the temple. Remember, so at any one time, there's 18,000 priests. So the probability, because the priests usually, they didn't really, um, you didn't become a priest until you are after the age of 30, and there wasn't really any retirement age, but um, the lifespan wasn't like it is today. So you had a short window of, of, of when um, you would do, or, or short window of life in the priesthood. So having 18,000 um, different priests, the, the, the uh, probability of, of you getting chosen by lot, only one, getting chosen to go in to burn incense, was that was a, a once-in-a-lifetime event. It, it's not, and this makes, th this helps us understand this, because this is not like all the time. Like, he was in the temple all uh, of the time, and he was always burning incense. This was his one time that he went in, chosen to do this. Remember, he's been praying for years. Him and his wife have been faithful to God, but they, they, they still have no child in all this. They still have this curse looming over their head. But he continues to be faithful. He continues to, okay, I've, I've got to do what I've got to do. What I've been chosen to do, he goes in to burn incense. And it says what? It says, boom. It doesn't say boom. But it should. The angel appeared. And how, I know, this is corny. Is it not funny when angels appear, they say, don't be afraid? I, I would probably leave a puddle. Uh, just saying. But he says, don't be afraid. And I love this. Because he says, don't be afraid, uh, you priest guy, right? No, he called him by name. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. I, I, I love this because when, when um, we're faithful to God and God sends an intervention into our life, it's specific. This appearing of this angel was for Zechariah. It says, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife will bear a son, and you should call, call his name John. This is kind of cool because this is, there's a little contention like, what was he praying in there? Some people will say, well, he was praying for his son. I don't think he was because he was faithful. It says that he was blameless. Well, part of him going in there and offering up incense to the Lord, burning this, this incense, he would be praying for the people of Israel. What he would be praying for at this time would be the coming Messiah. 
So he's going in there knowing what's weighing on his heart because I'm sure not a day went by that they uh, didn't want this son. But they knew, well, it's, we're getting old. It's probably not going to happen. I still got to be faithful. But it still was a burden. Maybe God has forgotten us. Well, I still got to do what I got to do. He goes in and he prays a prayer of I don't know, it doesn't say, but I, I, in my mind, I, 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 I hear the prayer of, Lord, come quickly. Because the, 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 the Jewish people at this time were oppressed. They, 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 were, they were being um, just, uh, I don't want to say ransacked, but they were being oppressed by the Roman government. So he was going into being a faithful Jew, being a faithful priest, going up, offering up prayers, where this was his once-in-a-lifetime shot where he could have went in there and said, hey, yo, did you forget about me? How about that? How about give me a kid? He could have said that. And by all, I, I, I guess, in, in all reality, he, he might have. I don't think he did because he says he was faithful. I love how it continues on because the, the, um, the angel, he doesn't say for your prayers. And even I even looked that back up in the Greek. That's, it's a singular. It's this one prayer. This one prayer. Because, and, and that's another um, little bit of evidence. I think that if he would have been talking about prayers, they would have been talking about the, the, the child. But this is a prayer. He's like, okay, we've heard your prayer. We've heard the prayer that you are uh, going to... Um, or that you're praying for, for the Messiah to come. Because you're faithful to God. Remember all those other prayers? We've heard those too. And he says that. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and she'll call his name John. Don't answer this question, but think to yourself, like, how would you respond to that? Because we can see Zechariah's response here, and we'll see it in a second. Like, we, we kind of give him some, some, we don't give him enough slack in this. But sometimes we take that pious approach. Well, if an angel appeared to me and told me what to do, oh, man, I'd fall down on my face and say, thank you, Jesus, and I'd do whatever you want me to do. No, Zechariah does what most of us would do. Show me. Prove it. Verse 18, and Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. <laughs> and he, he goes politically correct. And my wife is advanced in years as well. <laughs> right? He, he, he's, he's smart. He's smart. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the, that day, or until the day that, that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. And when he had came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, notice that when his time of service was ended, so he continued to be faithful. He went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. <laughs> it was funny. Shannon and I were uh, 
uh, talking about this. We were reading through this, and um, I started giggling uh, right around verse 24, 25. She's like, what are you laughing at? I was like, just, just think about this. I mean, this is, okay, this is my warped sense of humor. So um, Zechariah, he couldn't speak, right? He went home, still couldn't speak. Then a baby's born, or a baby's conceived. As a little side note, dudes, maybe you need to shut your mouths a little bit more, and maybe, maybe you talk too much. I, I, I thought it was funny, because I was kind of, anyway, let's get back. No, it's true. We always try to think we can fix everything, especially when it's, when it's in an argument or something. I'm, I'm, I'm sure Zechariah thought he could fix this. If we just do this and we do this, I can fix this. No, you should shut up and let God do his thing. But look here, that was just a side note. It says that, that when um, Zechariah said, wait a second, how's this going to happen? I'm like, I'm an old guy, she's in advanced in years, and, um, which she was probably the same age as, as Abraham, or they were probably about the same age as Abraham and Sarah. Um, but he's like, how's this going to happen? I, I love the answer given to him. The answer given to Zechariah here can be overlooked very easily. But the answer given is, I am Gabriel. This is the, Gabriel. This is one that my son is named after. But those are the, the, the three words that he uses. How am I supposed to know this? I am Gabriel. Some of you are thinking, okay, all right. Well, understanding what Gabriel means the meaning of the name Gabriel means champion of God. So he says, the way in which this is going to take place, or how you can take this to the bank and you can know for sure, because I'm the champion of God. My name means champion of God. Not only that, look at this. It says that I stand in the presence of God. I get chills just thinking about this. So the... One who stood in the presence of God came and appeared to Zechariah. And Zechariah said, but, 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 I don't know. I stood. Like, beam me up, Scotty, I'll go back there. I stood, I stand in the presence of God. So if he stood in the presence of God and he came to speak for God, he is what of God? An ambassador, Right? So he asked, how can I know this? Because I'm an ambassador for God. Because these words that are coming out of my mouth are from God. What's so important about that? Well, too many times, too many people think that um, the words in which we have in Scripture are not from the mouth of God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture. It's not the, well, I don't know if I can trust what the Bible says. If you cannot trust what the Bible says, you cannot trust who God is. Because we know who God is by what God says about himself in his word. So the, the, the part of this that we're breaking down and the, the case for, um, uh, for your certainty is we can, be certain of, we can be certain about what it is that God says. Where we don't have to ask ourselves, well, I wonder if I'm supposed to do this. 
Well, could I really believe this? Or can I trust what it says here? It says I'm supposed to live my life this way, but I can do a whole lot better and have a whole lot more fun doing it this way. No, Gabriel said, I'm the champion of God. I stand in the presence of God. And because I stand in the presence of God, I was sent. This is the same understanding as, as we are sent. That's where we get the um, uh, apostles are sent ones. I was sent to you to bring you this good news. As we've talked in the past with this good news, he's, he's alluding to, it's actually the, the verb of the noun uh, that we know as uh, euangelion, which is uh, the gospel. He's like, I've come to tell you about this. I've been sent to spread the news. And behold, because you didn't believe this, you'll be silent. You want a sign? Here you go. Here's your sign. May not be the one he wanted, but that was his sign. How many times do we ask and we pray to God, you know, God, if you just show me, show me which way to go, and I'll go, give me that sign. Well, he gives us a sign, and it's not exactly what we think. We're like, well, that's, that can't be a sign from God. Like, God should, this is, this is a prayer I actually had from somebody. There was praying, well, I wonder if God wants me to get a new car. My old car, it seems to be like a dying. I'm wondering, if, I've been praying to see if God wants me to get a new car. Okay, has he answered it? No, I mean, it, my car's still running and everything's going good. Well, okay, maybe that should answer your prayer. If, if it's running, it's good. Maybe, maybe he's saying, no, you're good. I don't know. Maybe it's something totally different. The fact of the matter is, too many times we think that when we pray to God, we'll get a specific response like, okay, um, it's multiple choice. God, here's my petition. Here's my prayer. Please fill in the circle neatly with a number two pencil. It doesn't work that way. Sometimes God shows us in ways we're like, whoa, didn't expect that one coming. Zechariah, Elizabeth, as faithful as they were, I'm sure had that forgotten feeling inside of them. What can we learn from that? Well, just as Gabriel's name means champion of God, Zechariah and Elizabeth, and even John, their names mean something. Zechariah, his name means God remembers. So think about this. God remembers. The story in which we're given here, this narrative that this, this faithful man that he, he, he could have, and, and this, this, that's my own speculation, but I'm sure it's a, it's a, it has to be a true one. But I'm sure there were points where he felt like God forgotten them. Even his name was a, re a reminder that God remembers. Maybe that's what kept him going through all the, the hard times. Every time he would look in his in the mirror, I don't know if they had mirrors back then, or, or shiny pot or whatever. He would look and, hey, this is Zechariah. I am beautiful. I am, everybody likes me. No, he, he would remember, Zechariah, God remembers. What's Elizabeth's name? What does Elizabeth's name mean? God is an oath. Think about this. 
So what's, what's an oath? We, we also uh, use the terminology of covenant. So if we have Zechariah and we have Elizabeth and they're, they're married and they're together, we can look at God remembers his oath. Or God remembers his covenant. God remembers his covenant. What is his covenant that he gave to his people? I'll give him a new heart. I'll take out that heart of stone. I'll give him a, a heart of flesh. I'm going to come and I'm going to dwell with them. I'm going to be their God and they're going to be my people. I'm going to write my laws. I'm going to write my, my, my statue. I'm going to write all that on their hearts. That's the covenant which God gave us. So when the I feel like I'm forgotten feeling was imposed on Zechariah and Elizabeth, they can remember, no, God remembers and he's going to keep his covenant. And how does God do that for them? He gives them a son. He says he's going to name this son John, which means the grace of the Lord. The grace of the Lord. So how does God remember his covenant? How does he fulfill that? By his grace. So if we're going to have certainty in any of this, if we're going to have certainty in our lives when we think that things are forgotten, what we have to continually remember is God's grace is abundant. God's grace is something you don't deserve, but he has given it to you. So if we um, fall into uh, the, the, the category or uh, the, um, the, the family of God, if we fall into, okay, I have put my trust in him, his grace is going to abound. Because, because of his grace, when I'm weak, his grace is enough to make me strong. Nothing else kept Zechariah and Elizabeth going other than the promise of God. Just like we're going to start into Advent next week, that's understanding the promise in which God has get, was given us then and has given us now. That's what gets us through the times when ISIS or whatever is taking place in our world. God remembers his covenant. God remembers his people. Let's end with that. As we prepare for the season that's coming up, just as Zechariah and Elizabeth were preparing for the Messiah to come, Don't get lost in the busyness of what's going on around you to forget that God remembers you. He has a specific plan for you. If you feel like you're forgotten, I'll tell you this, you're not. If you feel like you're forgotten... The one in which you, that you feel that you're forgotten from, maybe it's 
Maybe it's not God. Maybe you, just, you feel like you're forgotten in your marriage or your, as, as, uh, to your kids or to your, um, maybe a, your, your parent, whatever. If you feel like you've forgotten, you're forgotten, that doesn't give you the license to be unfaithful. It's all the more reason we need to be faithful. So let that just sink in. As we pray, if, if you're feeling that, I, I just feel like I'm forgotten. Um, you know what? I, let, let's do this. Everybody bow their heads, close your eyes. Keep your heads bowed. Keep your eyes closed. Because here's what I want to do. I want you, and we'll turn the lights down even low so you, you, you feel even a little bit more confident. Actually, turn the lights off. Turn them off. If you're feeling forgotten, what I want you to do is I, I want you to, to be able to be bold enough to say, you know what, that's me, I, I, I've... I'm, I'm feeling forgotten. I'm not saying that you're an evil person because you, you're feeling forgotten. Maybe just situations in your life right now are making you feel like you're forgotten. What I want to do, because I can still see you, what I want to do is I want to see your hands. I want to see who it is that feels that way because I want to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out by name. I want to take a, just a mental note of, okay, they're feeling like they're forgotten. I want to just, I want to lift them up in prayer this week. So if, if you would, if you're out there and you, you feel like, you know, I just feel forgotten. Maybe by a person, maybe by God, whoever, and you want me to, to, to pray for you, just, just raise your hand. Just raise it up, raise it down. Slip it up, slip it down. Slip it up, slip it down. All over the room. We don't need to ever feel like we're forgotten. But sometimes we do. I'm there. If you want to pray for me, pray for me too, because I, I feel that way sometimes. Know that God's word is true, God's promises are real. And no matter how bad we feel like we're forgotten, He's still faithful to us. Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we love you. God, for those who had the courage to raise their hand and say, yeah, I, I, I felt like that. Maybe I'm feeling like that. Or, or uh, I, I don't want to feel like that. Just, just prepare me to, to deal with this, God. God, for those who, who are in that right now, my, my prayer is that you just you comfort them. God, let us be a people who really do love that really do care about what's going on, that really do believe what your word says. God, let us, let us be real because you're a real God and you really care. Lord, my prayer is if there's someone here who does not, man, they, they feel forgotten and they don't, even, they don't even believe, they don't even trust in you because they feel so forgotten. My, my prayer is that you intervene in their life. God, and you draw them close to you. That we can see that through the, the shed blood of Jesus, by what he's done for us,
that we have hope. Lord Jesus, we love you. God, our hope is in you. Our trust is in you. God, our life is in your hands. Lord, we know that you are at the center. God, we pray that we just, our lives reflect that. Lord, I pray that that no matter how bad it gets now, that our faithfulness to you does not diminish. Lord Jesus, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Have an outstanding week and happy Thanksgiving.